0: Good morning. morning. Have I got a story to tell you. Forty years ago today, I was sitting on a dusty red clay military base about two kilometers from the Cambodian border in South Vietnam. I was waiting for my final orders, which would send me back to the United States, or the world as we called it. As a combat infantryman, I had just recently come out of the bush. I had survived. My war, I thought, on that day in October 1970, was over. But I found that like so many men and women who have experienced combat firsthand, my battles were only just beginning. I'm a theater professor. Uh, My discipline and my art centers on the telling of stories. Stories have been a part of my life ever since I can remember. As a child growing up on a farm in Minnesota, I was fascinated by the stories of my grandparents settling the wild Minnesota prairies at the end of the 19th century. I would sit and listen to my grandmother tell of her memories of clouds of grasshoppers that ate everything green, including the wood of the wagon wheels. I went to a one-room schoolhouse and heard and read stories of the, the Sioux Chief Little Crow and his war with the whites in and around my farm and my hometown. And in my country church, I heard and read and recited the Bible stories that captivated my imagination and established my faith. In the words of the old song, I love to tell the story to those who know it best. For me as a young boy on a farm without many close neighbors, I also created my own stories of adventure and daring and with the reluctant participation of my little sister, acted them out in my hay barn. That laid the groundwork for what later would develop into my career and my passion. There's something about the sharing of stories that has always kept human beings connected with one another. From the primitive shaman dancing and singing his creation myths to Homer's epic stories of the Odyssey and the Iliad, to Aesop's fables, to the parables of Jesus, to the plays of Shakespeare, stories have been used to teach, to inspire, and to provide healing. Dr. Ben bar at Ben-Gurion University in Israel has harnessed this idea into an ambitious educational curriculum development project entitled, Learning Each Other's Narrative, which he co-directs with his Palestinian partner, Sami Adwan, an education professor at Bethlehem University. In order for people with years of painful and violent interaction to coexist peacefully, he contends, they don't necessarily have to like or agree with each other, but they must understand their point of view and their view of history between them. This can happen, he has found, when they really listen to each other's personal stories. As a theater director, I too have always found that the stories of the plays I share in public performance gives audiences insight to other cultures, other times, other belief systems, other values. But back to my personal story. When I returned from Vietnam, I assumed that I could step back into the life that I left when I was drafted into the war. I began graduate school. I married the girl who waited for me while I was in Vietnam. I threw myself back into theater, into normalcy. But I found some of this disquiet and mournfulness that the psalmist described. After two and a half years, my marriage ended. I wandered from part-time job to part-time job. I moved to the West Coast and eventually ended up here at then CLC. CLU became a place of challenge and comfort to me. It was here that I met my wife, Vicki. Both of our children were born with the campus being their other backyard. I've been able to grow intellectually and creatively here. I love teaching and mentoring my students. Yet, Vietnam has always hung as a weight that I carried with me and could never really lose. I took a weird sense of pride in my psychic wounds. But as the years went by, the war became less relevant, and the war became less relevant to my students. I began to feel that my story, my experience, was more of an eccentricity than a vital message that I could share. Journalist Sebastian Younger, in his book War, an account of a group of soldiers at a small outpost in Afghanistan, talks about the effects of combat on soldiers. For many soldiers who have experienced combat, the return to civilization is untenable. They are never able to duplicate in civilian life both the bonding to their comrades and the intense experience of war. He says, and I quote, War is life multiplied by some number that no one has ever heard of. In some ways, 20 minutes of combat is more life than you can scrape together in a lifetime of doing something else. Combat isn't where you might die, though that does happen. It's where you find out whether you get to keep on living. Don't underestimate the power of that revelation." End quote. In April of this year on sabbatical, I began to, a journey that served to lift my, the burden of my Vietnam experience from my shoulders and created a space for healing. I want to share a bit of that journey with you now. The following slides mix both of my trips to Vietnam, the one in 6970 and the one this year. I was 22 years old and a high school teacher when I received my draft notice. And I was only 23 when I arrived in Vietnam. I had never been so afraid as when I flew on my first combat mission. As I flew above the lush jungle, I was awed by the beauty, but also was aware of the danger lurking below. The first time that I was in Vietnam, I really had no connection with people of the, of the country, save for those who worked with U.S., like these two Hmong boys. This time, I was determined to get to know the people, especially the youth of the country, for whom the American War is ancient history. Although Vietnam has greatly opened its economy to the West and tourism is big business, there are reminders of the war throughout the country. Monuments like these are spread throughout the country on what were American bases. There are also some preserved remnants of areas of heavy fighting, as this church in Quang Tri. I also visited several memorial sites to the Vietnamese lost in the war. This is a military cemetery of the NVA, which had a place where, in the Buddhist tradition, paper military helmets were burned to honor the dead. This is a gravestone of a soldier who was born the same year I was and died the year I was in Vietnam. I had visited the Vietnam Memorial in Washington DC and remember standing in front of the wall looking at the names of the seven of my friends who died and at the same time seeing my own reflection in the wall. In Quang Tri City, I had an eerily similar experience as I stood before a reflective wall bearing the names of 15,000 Vietnamese who battled the Americans. I felt fully accepted as American vet in Vietnam. Here I am with a number of decorated soldiers who were once my enemies. Yes, there are still signs like this throughout the DMZ in Vietnam, warning kids not to pick up pieces of metal because 40 years after the war, there are still many unexploded bombs and mines throughout the countryside. But for the average citizen of Vietnam, the war is past, and there is an eagerness to embrace the capitalism of the West. English is the mandatory second language in all schools. Expensive resort hotels and golf courses fill the China Sea beaches that saw the marines land in the 1960s. Tourism is big business, and there are even war museums, amusement parks, where you can uh, interact with Viet Cong and crawl through tunnels and even fire for a fee a military weapon. But my story is less about being a tourist than it was to feel the place where I lost my youth so many years ago. I was determined to find the area in which I operated as a member of a reconnaissance platoon and the area where my friends died. I had researched names of fire bases that I remembered or had written down in letters when I was a soldier. I learned that most of my tour of duty was spent in a small area close to the Cambodian border called the Fish Hook an area filled with resupply routes from the North Vietnamese labeled the Ho Chi Minh Trail. I remember it being heavy jungle and and very mountainous. I had two names of places from that time, a river called Song Bay and a mountain called Nui Ba Ra. When I arrived in South of Vietnam as part of my countrywide tour, I asked my guide to try to take me to the area. He said it was far away and not part of the usual tour. But after per- further persuasion, agreed to have the driver take me back to the area. We crep- kept driving into the hills, and I began to be discouraged. And then suddenly, as we rounded a hill, there in the distance was the shape of the mountain from my memory, Nui Bara. I persuaded my guide and my driver to try to get closer so I take another picture. We continued to drive for another half an hour, but the foliage was too thick or the hills obstructed our view. We finally pulled into a small town. Our driver pulled down a side street that ran along the edge of a garbage dump. Our guide had him stop here so that he could relieve himself. I, too, got out and walked into the garbage dump for some privacy. As I was relieving myself, I noticed a wide, flat, open area in front of me. I walked up into the area and looked up, and there was Nui Ba Ra. I realized that I was standing on the tarmac of the base where I had spent Excuse me. where I'd spent the last few of my weeks in Vietnam. There was a flood of memories. And quietly, I voiced the names of my friends. In some strange way, by returning to this spot, I was releasing them, and also releasing 40 years of my tears and my burden. Since I returned from Vietnam, it's as though I've been given a new life and a new energy. I'm able to write about Vietnam now with freshness and a perspective that comes more from hope than from pain. I've also begun a project that I hope will provide healing through the sharing of stories to other combat vets. There are thousands of young men and women returning from Afghanistan and Iraq who are physically and mentally damaged and who feel isolated and unable to share what they have gone through. I am beginning an interview process where I'm interviewing veterans from World War II, Korea, Vietnam, Gulf War I, as well as those from Iraq and Afghanistan. Though the technology of war has advanced, the human experience of combat remains the same. From these personal stories, I hope to create a theater piece that weaves together the cross-generational moments of common experiences of men and women who have been in combat. I then plan to produce the piece with performers who are also veterans. We will perform for soldiers, VA hospitals, military families, schools, and others. Each performance will be followed by an open discussion, allowing the sharing of stories and hopefully some small measure of healing. We have this treasure in clay jars so that it may be made clear that this extraordinary power belongs to God and does not come from us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroy.